the answer is greater than the question. Today's message title, the answer is greater than the question. See, in life, the answer is almost always more important than the question. Right? Uh, um, I, I know uh, sometimes and most times you need to know the question, though, to determine if you know the answer. Right? How many have ever knows this, the show Jeopardy? The TV show Jeopardy. How many watch it? How many can't stand it because you never get any of the answers right? Right? That's right. And how everybody knows that they, they flip it. Right? Alex Trebek, he's been doing it for a long time. And, and it, just, like, it, it just hurts my head sometimes watching it. Like, I don't I get it, but I, I don't get it. And, and, then you, and then you answer it wrong. And then if you were on the show, you might have had the right answer, but you answered it wrong because why? Exactly. Because you, they give you the answer, and then you have to answer the answer with the question, right? It's a completely backwards, and it makes my brain hurt thinking about it. Um, I'm better at it than my wife, though, that's for sure. Truth though, She can't stand it. She says, I don't like this show. I never get it. I never get any of the answers right. And I'm like, well, I got like one out of 12, right? I got one out of 12, and if there was a buzzer here, I would have hit it. But sometimes in life, okay, the answer is greater than the question, but sometimes you need to know the question to know if you have the answer, right? And so this morning, we're going to take a look at something. I love it. This is a great plug. On your seats, you have these cards. I hand, uh, I hand these out. Victoria took pictures of me handing them out. Those are for you to take, by the way. Just give them out to people as you do life during the week and invite them to church that's what they're there for on your seat they're laying all over here because Graceland had a handful of them uh, but um, that just yeah forgot to mention that earlier so you need to know the question to know if you have the answer so turn to your neighbor and say what's the question all right turn to your other neighbor and ask what's the answer so here's the question this, that I have for you this morning. What season are you in? What season are you in right now? If you've heard me ever speak before, you'll know that I say often that life is about seasons. If you're young and you don't understand that, wait about 10 years. And you'll understand that life is about seasons. There, it, there's an ebb and flow to this thing we call life, and there is a pattern, and much of the time it's cyclical, but you are in a season right now, whether you realize it or not. So the question is, what season are you in? If I was able to go around the room and ask you, what season are you in, we'd get a multitude of different answers. Some would say, I don't know. I don't, what season are you in, Laura? What season? <laughs> kidding you. Kidding you. Am I on? I'm on? Yep. Yep, I'm on. Okay. Just want to make sure. I forgot. Didn't know if I turned myself on. So the question is what season are you in? And if you don't know how to answer that, I hope after today I help you a little bit. What season are you in in life? See, your spiritual health depends on whether or not you know the answer. Your overall health depends on the answer to the question, what season are you in right now? 
Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to be up on the screen. Solomon says, King Solomon says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then he goes into a long list that we won't go into. But he says, To everything. And if you and, and here's the thing: when you come out of one season, what happens? You go into another season. You're never in a period of not being in a season. So it's very important to know what season that you're in. And you will be in a season of your life to the day that you die. So if you can identify the season that you're in, it will help you because how many have been in a season that they wanted to end? They were like, I can't wait till this season's over. Well, if you know that you're in a season, and we answer some of the questions about that season today, that'll help you get to the next season. Amen? And I'm going to show you that scripturally today. So the question is, what season are you in? See, a season is a period of time in one's life marked by similar circumstances and events. And oftentimes it can be cyclical. Let me tell you this. Oftentimes you might be in a seat, like we're very complex the way God has created us, right? So you might be in an area of your life, you might be in one season, but then in another area of your life, you'd be in a completely different season. Can anybody relate to that? Like one part of your life is just like amazing and cool and great, and another part is dry and parched and you can't wait till the next season, right? So... Uh, understand that as well. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. I love scripture. We're going to read some scripture here this morning. I believe when you come to church, you should read some scripture. I've been accused of reading whole chapters the last few weeks, and I love it. I'm not going to stop. We won't do that today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving you, giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains, in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore. To their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and su succeed in all that you do. So what an amazing set of scripture. See, we could take that scripture and we can apply it as if God's speaking it to us. See, Joshua, he, he was the successor of Moses. He had some big shoes to fill, if you know anything about Moses. So they've been wandering in circles in the desert 
for 40 years. Something that should have taken only a few weeks to happen for that million people, roughly. The Israelites, once they left Egypt and Moses led them out of Egypt. See, 400 years prior, that same trip was made by Jacob, right? Remember Joseph? The story of Joseph. And that's how, so, so 400, 400 years has passed, right? 400 years has, has when, when Jacob was in the promised land, and then Joseph, the whole story of Joseph happened, and he, his brothers betrayed him, and he went into to Egypt, and, and we know the story there. He was in prison, and then he's elevated, right? He, he gets elevated, and there's a huge famine that hits all of the land, and, 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 and God tells Jacob, pack it up once the whole... It, it's discovered who Joseph really is, and Joseph's still alive, his son, and he's, he's the second in command of all of Egypt. And God, God tells Jacob, move, move all, everybody, move the clan, the tribe, everything into Egypt. And, and they do that. And then you fast forward 400 years. Now, 400 years later, that, that tribe of folks has, gr- has grown to approximately a million people. And they're suppressed by Egypt, and they're enslaved by Egypt, and, and long gone are the days of Joseph and Jacob, right, his father. And, and now, but, but in, in there was an incubation period where the, the nation of Israel is really kind of born and hatched, like it grew during that 400 years. Even though with the oppression and, and, and the suppression of, of being enslaved, and, and they, they grew into this. And so this is what we're seeing is like literally the birth of a nation. And Moses leads them out into this desert, and he's, and he's going across the desert the same, probably the same, I don't know if it's exactly the same way, because they went through the Red Sea, uh, but, but he's going back to where 400 years earlier Jacob had left, right? And, and so, because it was God's promised land, it was, was what he had promised Abraham when he cut the covenant with him, and he promised him. And so God always keeps his promises, he's, he keeps his word, and so he raises up Moses to lead out the people. And now, uh, but because of their obstinate hearts and uh, heart towards God and their disobedience and, and their just downright, like, idolatrous hearts, God says, you're not going to step into the promised land. Th- th- you that came out of Egypt, it will be your children. You're going to die in this desert. And he said, and he even told Moses the same thing because Moses uh, disobeyed and, and, and lashed out in anger and didn't follow God's uh, a voice and instruction. And so... God says, uh, Moses, you're not going either. But so for 40 years, they went in circles in the desert for 40 years. And now Moses has died and everyone has died except for two people. Joshua and Caleb. I know I'm giving you some Bible history here, but Joshua and Caleb, uh, when, when Moses had led the people towards across the Red Sea, across the desert, and they're about to enter the promised land. And he sends in the 12 spies. Remember that story? He sends in the 12 spies. And all 10, of, or 10 out of the 12 came back and said, there's giants in the land. We can't do this. We can't do it. They're too great for us. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And Joshua and Caleb said, nope. We can conquer this land. God is with us and we will go in. And he said, the, the land is flowing with milk and honey. And they brought grapes and, and pomegranates and, and stuff like the fruit of the land back, and they said, and God said, every one of you will die, and your children will enter in, except for these two, Joshua and Caleb, because they believed, because they believed. There's a whole message in that we won't go into. But Joshua, the 40 years later, 
Moses dies. Now he fills Moses' shoes. He was appointed and anointed. He was appointed and anointed to, fit, to fill Moses' shoes. And here God is speaking to him. And what an incredible thing that he says. I mean, if God speaks this to you, how many, like, and think about what he said. He's like, everywhere you put your foot, I've given you. There won't be a man to stand up in, in, to you. Every enemy you face, that's a setup. That's a setup. That means, like, right now, if I go tell the Golden State Warriors, it doesn't matter, you're down 3-1. You got this. Those Toronto Canadian Raptors. They're going down. You can't, you can't lose, right? How loose would you play, right? It would be easy. Like, I just, I just got to be obedient, do what I do, and we're going to win. That's what God was telling Joshua. Follow my commands. Do what God, what I've given Moses, what Moses told you to do. Be obedient to it. You're going to win. You're going to win. How cool is that? Like, I got this walking in all swaggy like, yeah, we're going into the promised land. See, Joshua had been appointed and anointed to lead the nation in the place of Moses. In fact, if you study, I'm actually thinking about doing a series on the book of Joshua. It's really about God's faithfulness to his word and his covenant with his people. See, Joshua has been obedient and faithful. He's assisted and served Moses over these 40 years in the desert. He and Caleb were the only two people left that were alive when Israel left Egypt. They were the two spies, as we talked about, that said, we got this. And God is now shifting Joshua and Israel into a new season, right? A new season where they're going to enter into the promise that God has given them. And he reminds and encourages and promises Joshua some of these amazing promises. Let this be a prophetic word and a sign to you today. If you're in a current season of waiting or a dry season or a grinding season or a season of tests and trials, a season of warfare, take courage this morning. Take courage and take the words that God gave Joshua. Take them for yourself. Your current season is coming to an end. Believe that this morning. Your current season, God is shifting some things. He's reminding you of some things. He, he's reminding you that he will never leave you or forsake you. He's blessing you. He goes before you. He has promised you something. He, has, he says wherever you put your foot, wherever you step will be yours. He's said that whatever you put your hand to, he will cause it to prosper. Whatever you, you intentionally set your mind to and put work into, God says it'll, it'll work. That's my promise to you. So let that be a prophetic word to you this morning. No, and that no enemy that stands in front of you will keep standing. You will defeat any enemy that comes in your path. He says, but put my word in you. Meditate on it. Never leave it. Don't turn to the right or to the left. You will succeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will succeed. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you're going to succeed too. Amen. That's right. You will succeed. So there's four things. There's four things, and we'll go through these quickly. There's four things to understand about seasons. 
Remember the question, what season are you in? Well, if we could talk about seasons for a second, maybe you'll get the answer. Maybe the answer will be clear. Why? Because if you're in any one of those quote-unquote bad seasons that I just talked about, right? If you're in one of those kind of seasons, oh, by the way, you have a, you have a, if you want to fill these out, you have the sheet right there. It was in your worship guide. You can follow along. There's some, there's some blank. Oh, and also, thank you, George. It's also on the app. Hello, another plug for the app. Hello. Um, if, you, if you look at the app, and I think it will update when you click on the app, the sermon notes will be there as well. There we go. And you can actually fill those in. Sorry, because George spent some time putting that on there. So if you don't want to physically write out the answers, the same sermon notes are on the app. So four things to understand about seasons. Number one, seasons are temporary. Say it with me. Seasons are temporary. That's right. Seasons don't last forever. Sometimes they, they, sometimes it might seem like they do, but seasons don't last forever. Whatever season you're in right now will change, right? But let's take a look at these seasons and understand, number one, they're temporary. They don't last forever. So let's talk about the season that the Israelites were in. They were in a transition season of coming out of Egypt and God miraculously saved them, rescued them, provided for them, and took them into the desert. But because of their disobedient heart, their idolatrous mindset, he said, you're going to have to stay there a while. You're going to have to stay there a while. Was it God punishing them? Like it, no, it wasn't God punishing them, but sometimes the season, oh, we won't get into that right now because that's part of my, one of my, 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 it's one of the other four things to learn about seasons. But sometimes the seasons seem like they're not going to end. They were in that season for 40 years. They were in the desert season for 40 years. Number two, things that we can learn and understand about seasons. Number two is learn to recognize and identify what season you are currently in. And that's the importance of, the, of the, uh, the, the message title today. Learn to recognize and identify what season you are currently in. Some seasons last longer than others. I'll get back to that in a minute. But ask yourself if in this season that you're in, if you're thriving. Is this a thriving season for me? If you're thinking about it and you give any thought process to it, you could probably answer that pretty quickly. Pastor Scott, I'm not in a thriving season. Or, I'm in a thriving season. It's an amazing season of my life and God's grace is all over me. Or is it a season of just surviving? So ask yourself, is it a thriving season? Or it is a surviving season? What season am I in right now? Am I just thriving or am I just surviving, right? 
This is going to be on the screen. Next slide is don't mistake God's grace and provision in a season for his abundant prosperity that is marked by his favor that will come in the next. I'm going to say it again. Don't mistake God's grace and provision in a season for his abundant prosperity that is marked by his favor that will come in the next season. See, sometimes I've spent so much time in the desert season that I've become accustomed to it. It becomes familiar. Let's talk about Israel for 40 years in the desert. Did God provide for them? A million people in a desert. Several ways he provided. The miracles just to get them into the desert. Caused the, the, the Red Sea to be split. They cross. They're in the desert. What is it? you got to feed people. They're in a desert. They need water. He caused manna to fall from heaven. He fed them daily. Every morning. And they, they weren't allowed to, to store it up. If they stored up the manna for the next day, it would, it would, it would rot. So they had to rely on God's provision Every day, right? And, 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 and he provided water for them. Think of all the animals and the people. That's a lot of water. He miraculously caused water to come from a rock for a million people, right? For 40 years. What, and how did they know where to go? Did they just like, oh, well, Moses is going that way. No, it says that he led them with a cloud by day and fire by night, right? So that means, oh, there's the cloud. We're going to, Moses, let's go, and they would follow the cloud. And then at night, there's the fire, right? God led them, but think about it. And I know, like, sometimes we, 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 man, we, we, we get caught up in, like, I'm in this season, and, and God is feeding, he's providing for us, and there, he's leading me. I really feel like, obviously, there's a, there's, there's a cloud that it's moving, and, and it's God, and I'm, I'm going that direction. And so I feel like since he's, he's, he's guiding me, and he's leading me, and he's providing for me, there's even miracles, and I get comfortable there. Because I don't realize that something has to die before I can go into my next season. It wasn't that God was trying to punish them. It's that they weren't ready. They had to rely on God for provision in the desert, and he provided for them. But, did, but was that God's best? That was not God's best. That wasn't the promise. The promise wasn't the desert, desert so that he could provide for them. The promise was to cross the Jordan and go to the promised land. Everything, the, the, the land flowing, they, he describes it as, with milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, you should see the size of the grapes, and they're so sweet and succulent. Here, try one. So they brought, they brought back, like, they, they carried it. It said they carried it between the two of them on a stick, like a whole, a whole uh, vine full of grapes. Right? And pomegranates and fruit. And they said it's rich and rich pasture land and, and there's water. And, and so it, this, is, this is the promised land. But if, if you're in the desert for 40 years and God is providing for you your needs, 
We can get used to that. It can become familiar. The desert season can be familiar. And you say, well, God's providing for me. This is where I'm supposed to be. No. That's not where you're supposed to be. God is faithful to his word. And he will protect and provide for you in the desert season. He will even do miracles in the desert season. He will lead you in the desert. But that's not your, where you're supposed to end up. That season is not supposed to last forever. See, there needed to be a different mindset for the next season of God's best for them. So in order for me to go from a season that I'm in to the next season and, and, and maybe I, I, I lose sight of what season I'm in and God is providing for me and, and, and there's even miracles happening. But I, if I'm really honest with myself, it's like, man, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And, but you know what? God's leading me. And, and, and the question becomes is like, well, well, why am I here? And they'll blame God. Well, he, he's bleeding us by a cloud and fire. So if we're supposed to go to the promised land, would you, he's not leading us there. The question is why? Because there's something, you're not ready. There's, there's a different mindset that you need to have. And, and God said, if, 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 if I just take you from here and I take you over here and you're not ready, it, it, it's disastrous. You'll screw up the next season. Because you haven't learned what needs to die in this season. There's something in this, this season that needs to die in order for you to step into the next season. And, he, and that's why the question is so important. What season am I in? And then to identify, okay, am I thriving or am I, am I surviving? And God's provision is in surviving. But, like, this isn't God's best for me. I know that the next season that he has for me is, is one that he's promised me. The promises that he's given me. And, and I don't know what it's going to take, but, Lord, like, you're leading me and you're guiding me around the desert. But, Lord, Lord, what, just show me. Expose my heart. What needs to die so that I could step into my next season? So that I could step into the promise that you have for me. Amen. It requires a different action and mindset. Number three. Number three. Sorry, I put up two. Just two fingers and I said three. Common core math, folks. Number three, your actions in your current season will determine the breakthrough and victory you will have going into the next. I'm going to say it again. Your actions in your current season will determine the breakthrough and victory you will have going into the next. If you find yourself in a dry or trying or seemingly endless season, ask God what needs to die. Lord, what is it in me? What mindset, what old mindset, what defeat, defeating mindset? What part of my heart have I not given over to you? What part of my heart have I trusted with you? What part of my life that I say, no, God, there's too much hurt and there's too much pain there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect it. And I'm not giving that up to you. You can lead me in these other areas. And God says, no. Until you give that to me and you kill it and release it to me, you can't move into your next season. You're going to wander in the desert 
And do you know there's people that die every day in the survival season, in the season of surviving and not thriving. They never fully step in to what God has promised them. They have the promise. They know it. Maybe they post it on the wall. The dream and, and, and the promise that God has given. And, and, they, and they, no, God's promised me this. And they never move into the next season because they haven't killed what needs to be killed in this season. They haven't, they haven't submitted it to God and said, Lord, here it is. I offer it as a sacrifice. Take this part of me because I don't want to just survive. Manna tastes good. I've learned how to prepare it 88 different ways. But I, I want some grapes and some fruit in my life, Lord. I want some steak. Hallelujah. You know what I'm going to say. I want some Chick-fil-A, Lord. I know we can't have it on Sunday, Lord, but give me some Chick-fil-A. See, you, say you. Now point to your neighbor and say you. You can prolong the current season. You can also, so, so if you can prolong the season that you're in, what's the other thing that you can do? You can shorten it. So if you can, sh if you can prolong a season by not letting what needs to die, die, then, then when you decide and you identify what needs to die, then, then, then you move towards moving out of that season into the next. And so you can shorten the time. It was not God's will and best for them to wander in the desert for 40 years. It wasn't, it wasn't his will. It, he, no, he wanted to take them through the Red Sea. That's why he parted the Red Sea. He said, this is a shortcut. Let's go. And Moses led them on dry ground through the Red Sea. He's like, we're, we're going straight to the promised land. And they get into the desert. And because of their idolatrous hearts and their disobedience, God says, you're not ready. You're not ready. Something has to die. But they could have crossed over in a matter of a few days and weeks and, and, and entered in. That was his will. That was what he wanted for them. Taking them back to the land that he promised. But they weren't ready. Number four. Number four. Whenever that transition happens from one season and you're stepping into the next, as we read, Joshua was finally stepping into this new season and leading God's people. Whenever you get ready to make that transition and you start stepping into the next season, there's a thing that you need to do. There's several things you need to do. It's going to be right here. Write down, build a monument, and record God's miracles, promises, and provision. As great as the provision was in the desert, we read what he promised Joshua in the promised land. Listen, there were giants in the land. There were great armies in the land. There were great nations that over that 400 years that had built themselves up. The wall, in fact, one of the first things that they would encounter is the king of Jericho and the city, the fortress of Jericho. That's the, next, that's the next story in Joshua where, where, where they go and, and, and they, they face Jericho. And we know the story where God told them to march around for seven days, right? 
and the walls came tumbling down. So, so there, were, there were mighty, mighty people and things that needed to be rooted out and overcome in their promised land. So Joshua, he did that. He, he wrote down, he, he built a monument and recorded God's miracles and promises and provision coming from the desert season into the promised land. Listen to me. Even your enemies, listen to me. Even your enemies know the promises. Even your enemies know what God's done for you. Even your enemies Know the miracles that he's done in your life. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. And my computer shut off. Thank you, Jesus. In Joshua chapter 4, we don't... Hmm. Actually, it's Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to have to... Let's see if I can get it back up quickly. Bear with me. Because I wanted to read it in a, all right. Joshua chapter 2, do I have that on the screen? Did I give that to you? Is it? There we go. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. I'm going to read it quickly, guys. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. Listen, Rahab, she, they, so, so what Joshua did is, is when God gave him that commandment to go into the promised land, right? He sent two spies in. He sent two spies in, and they went to Jericho. They went to this walled city, this fortress city, right? And, and they just went to check things out because it had been 40 years since they sent spies in before. We know how that ended. So he sends two spies this time. And when he sent 12, we'll send two. And he sends these spies in, and they end up at Rahab's house, and she actually lives in and on the wall of this great walled city, right? And she hides them because the word gets out. That the Israelite, and they knew about the Israelites. Here's what she says. She hides them, and then the king comes and says, the king of Jericho comes and says, give up those two men that, you're hide, that, that, that came to your house. We know what they're here for. They're here to search and spy out the land, and, 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 and we, we want them. We, basically, he's going to kill them, right? And Rahab's, and so she, she, she hides them, and here's what she tells them after the king leaves, and, they, and they're on the roof and before they go to sleep, and she says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt 40 years ago. The word got out, and they didn't even have social media. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Even your enemies know what God has done for you. The word got out. Even in your desert season, the word got out what God's hand was doing on your life. Even your enemies know. That's why they're terrified because they say, man, they, they recognize, man, once they step into this next season and they step into the promised land, when they step into the better things that God has for your life, watch out. There's nothing that can stand in their way. We've seen what God can do even in their dry desert place. Even in their, their, their spirit of, uh, in their season of just surviving. In Joshua chapter 4, 
really quick, and we won't turn there, but he, he builds a monument. So, so when, when, in Joshua chapter 4, they actually cross over, and, and they take this million folks, and they, they cross over, and, and it, there was several instructions that he gave, but literally, they, when they crossed the Jordan, again, like God led them into the, the desert place by splitting the waters and walking across on dry land through the Red Sea, but he does it again when they leave the desert. He, he splits, and the priests go before them, and they, they hold up the Ark of the Covenant, where the Holy, the Holy, uh, where the Holy Spirit dwelt, and, and they hold it, and the priests are there, and, and all the tribes of Israel are, the, the, the priests, there's a representative from every tribe, 12 tribes there, and they go and they stand in the river, and the water parts, and these million people cross on dry land, the river, and, and so what Joshua does is he takes these stones, and he builds a monument. And the reason why he says that, he says, build a monument so that when our children's 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 children ask what God did when we moved from the desert to the promised land, we can tell them, why are these stones here? Grandfather, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you. And he took 12 of them representing each, twi or each tribe, each tribe, each tribe of Israel. And they built a monument so that they would always remember and they would never forget, even generations to come, what God did, taking them from a surviving season into a thriving season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can ask the question, what season am I in, Lord? What season am I in? And maybe we're afraid of the answer. We're afraid that, oh, man, there's just, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I, I, I've, I've learned to cope with it. You're, you're providing, Lord. But then the other part of your heart says, oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. Maybe you have conversations with yourself and, and, and you go back and forth and one part of you argues with the other part and says, yeah, but when I step out, when I try to change the mindset and I try to change the, the, the way that, that, I, that I see things in my relationship with God, all hell breaks loose. And it's just, it's just, it hasn't, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm here to prophetically speak to you this morning, just as God spoke to Joshua and said, look, let die what needs to die. Change your mindset. It's going to require a different mindset and a different action. But if you trust me with that, I can take you from this, this place of just surviving into the next season of thriving. And yeah, there's going to be some giants in the land. There's going to be some things to conquer. But nothing, nothing that stands in front of you will be able to stand. And you won't be defeated in every place that you set your foot. I've given you. How many this morning just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about my season? What are those things that need to die in this surviving season to move into my thriving season? And Lord, change my heart change my mindset I'm willing to lay those things down and let them die because I want your best for me I want your best 
I want your promise. I want to step into that thing that you've promised me. Lord, I just pray for every heart here this morning that you would be speaking to them even after they leave here this week, this Sunday, that you would be speaking to them about seasons, Lord, what season they're in. And Lord, that's why we exist as a church, to see people move from season to season and step into your best, step into your promise. So I just pray that over each heart here this morning. In Jesus' name.